Hello. How is it going? Hi. Are you ready to talk about these two chapters? Because I was reading them and I was like looking at my iPad just going. (laughs) Yes, these are these are good chapters. I'm looking forward to discussing them. And we're left on a bit of a cliffhanger this week. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Like I, every time, every time we go through a new chapter, I'm just like, I still can't believe how, how relevant it is considering how recently it was published. Yeah. One and two, he must've cranked this out fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, go ahead. It's just we've been talking about this stuff, and this stuff is still like so it's not even like, oh, you know, racism as tale as old as time type of a situation. We're talking about very specific instances that have happened in modern day culture. Mm-hmm. And he mentions them. Yeah. And then he did the video series. I think this is in response to the video series. So I don't know how he did it. I don't think he slept for some time. Like, writing a book's hard. Mm-hmm. I write articles for my day job, and it's hard just to crank out 200 words. Yeah, it takes me back to those college application days and, like, scholarship <laughs> days where you had to be 250 words or, like, 500 words. It's, it's quite difficult. First of all, I don't know how previous generations were able to be educated without Microsoft Word and being mm-hmm. able to see the word count when people would be like thousand word essays. I'm just like, they sat there and counted each word. Mm-mm. I don't know how they did it either. I like I look for it in everything that I do. It's like, where's the word count? Oh, there's no word count. Let me go to Google. How did we graduate? a mystery (laughs) someone gave us master's degrees (laughs) we'll never we may never know (laughs) never know uh but oh my goodness all righty what you ready to get into it yeah let's start with the first one here's the question If there is a hairstyle or style in general that comes or that someone thinks is beautiful and wants to try out, but it's mainly seen in black women slash men or other could have put that there. That's just my little or Mm -hmm. or other (laughs) when it's it's not when is it not cultural appropriation? Mm -hmm. You want to take a first stab at this one? I um. I just had a question and he addresses it. Well, he addresses it later, but I'm curious what you think. Can cultural appropriation only be white people? Can only white people culturally appropriate? Ooh. So the first thing that comes to my mind is whenever I, I spent my year after college graduation abroad, I was working in South America. Right. Mm-hmm. And So I was attending like local school pageants and stuff like that. And 
there was a time when um, they dressed the kids up in literal like kimonos, mm-hmm. like um, like kimonos, put chopsticks in their hair, did really exaggerated makeup, mm-hmm. and they performed a little song and dance that I'm not even sure was like of Asian origin. Yeah. So I was sitting there thinking, there's a lot of layers to this. Mm-hmm. A lot of layers. Because I am sitting in a country that was colonized mm-hmm. with a like very colorist white um, dominated education because it came from like their education system was based on other colonizer education systems. Mm-hmm. And they are dressing children up as um, almost Asian caricatures, mm-hmm. which I was just like, don't know how I feel about that as an Asian. Don't know how right. I feel about that as someone who is currently a guest in this country. Mm-hmm. A lot of layers. That's what I was asking, because I feel like this, depending on what people think, could fall under the white savior complex similarity in the sense, like in the sense that it could be like Western. You don't have to be white to have that white savior complex. So I'm curious, can that be expanded to cultural appropriation? Like, I have no clue. I've had I like just many thoughts, many feelings, a lot of it's like trying to get uh ornament ornament hooks for your christmas tree untangled you know how there's that giant ball yeah whenever you pull them out of the attic or whatever and there's a giant ball of ornament hooks and you're just like i don't want to do this (laughs) that's what i feel about cultural appropriation honestly (laughs) like untangle it it's like untangling christmas lights you set a very vivid picture. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but but it's necessary work, and the reward is you get Christmas lights. That's probably not the best example or um metaphor ever, but that's just the one that came to my head. Right. I think it's accurate. It's certainly a lot of work, and it's. I mean, I'm glad this question's in here because it certainly is something that I struggle with in terms of what's appropriate what's not um to answer your original question of if there's anything that other than my very interesting question that I started this conversation with Mm -hmm. I, I just I thought you did a really good job explaining it it's really about your understanding of the culture that you are taking something from are you giving them credit are you taking the credit for yourself? Are you giving it to someone who doesn't, isn't deserving of the credit? I think that was a good way to break it down. That's a good standard policy to follow when talking about cultural appropriation. Like, and A, cultural appropriation feels like such an easy, slippery slope to fall into pitfall. But also B, we have the internet. Mm-hmm. We have the internet. We have technology, which is not saying that like 
everyone, like the internet's readily available to everyone. Equitable internet for everyone. Anyways, um, but we do have a lot more access as a general population than we did maybe 15 years ago. And we can look up things, but we have to put in the work. And it brings me to the next um, the next thing that I was going to ask you, okay. do you think, do you think celebrity culture has, and the focus on celebrity culture has influenced influencers <laughs> has influenced cultural appropriation and made it worse, like exacerbated it mm. because Acho also goes into the history of cultural appropriation and the whole viral look trending that wasn't necessarily as like quick and easy to circulate back then so do you think um from our context american celebrity culture has exacerbated cultural appropriation that's a fantastic question <laughs> i think Uh, I think there are at least two different sides. I think when we're talking about celebrity culture, we're talking about, like like you said, trends and wanting to be in the forefront of conversations, wanting to be like the it person, wanting to be who everyone wants to be. And, and in so many ways, there's so many toxic things <laughs> about our celebrity culture right now. Um, and I... Thinking about it, I do think there's certainly some form of correlation because if you want like the next thing, you want to be the forefront of whatever the, you want to be in the front of whatever the next wave is, then I could see it being really easy to just claim response. Like just think of an idea, think you're the first person to think of it and then take credit for it. And then, you know, do no research. And then Somebody sees a picture and they're like, oh, actually, that comes from my culture. You didn't say anything about us. That's cultural appropriation. That's messed up because it is. So I think this goes, it circles back to the importance of knowing history <laughs> and do, I like doing your research, which I think is huge. And I don't think there's a huge emphasis or I'm not a celebrity. So maybe there's something I don't know, but from what I see, there's not really a big emphasis on going and learning about the history. I think in specifically music, I hear a lot of musicians, and this is just like a train of thought. So just like bear with me. No, I'm I'm following it. You followed mine, so I am following. <laughs> I'm here for you. I'm I'm loving this. <laughs> in music specifically, I hear a lot of musicians talking about okay, and like I listen to this artist and this legend and this legend, and they reference history a lot and then in their music they're definitely very cautious for the most part to attribute whatever traits they got from past musicians but I don't see that a lot when we're talking about celebrity culture I'm thinking about people who are trending on Twitter or like Instagram models or influencers there's I don't see a emphasis to make sure you go back and really cite where you get um, your ideas your creativity your sources from because you want so badly to be unique. So 
a long way <laughs> to say, it. yes, I definitely think there is some influence. And I think there's something between celebrity culture and culture of cultural appropriation. Ooh. I loved that answer. I love that answer. I also love how what's hilarious about this chapter is he uh, he specifically references the Kardashians because they are like yes. really bad at <laughs> cultural appropriation. Like they are repeating. They have they have not learned their lesson because mm-hmm. like whenever I read Kim Kardashian in here, I was like, oh, was it the kimono incident? No. Mm-hmm. It was not the Komodo incident. <laughs> no, it was not. It was another one. Mm-hmm. And he mentions too, aside from not even mentioning that incident. I don't even know when the Komodo incident happened. Did it happen before or after this book was published? See, there's so many, we can't even keep up. I definitely think that's a point of emphasis, specifically when we're talking about Kim Kardashian, the fact that this continues to happen. I think the first time is not acceptable for sure. But if you notice a pattern of culture appropriation, then it's like you're not even doing anything to try to do better. Like she literally tried to trademark the word kimono. Mm hmm. Just. <laughs> All the people that that decision had to go through. (laughs) And no one thought, this is inappropriate. (laughs) Would you like to give some insight for people who don't know what we're talking about? (laughs) Go Google Kim Kardashian kimono incident. (laughs) But basically, she came out with some shapewear, which... Shapewear, I have my own opinions on in okay. and of itself. But she decided to name it Kimono after herself. Mm-hmm. And she tried to trademark the word Kimono, which for those of you that might not know this, don't quote me on this because I am not Japanese and I do not like I don't pretend to be an expert in culture, but a kimono is a traditional Japanese garment. So it's been around for like hundreds of years Mm -hmm. and she just tried to trademark it. Yeah. (laughs) So strike one. That was like strike like four with her whenever it comes to cultural appropriation. Do you want to talk about uh, what's actually mentioned in the book for the people that are like reading along with us? Because they mention they mention braids, Mm -hmm. hairstyle. And then what was the second one? I'm looking for it. I know. Me too. Specifically Kim Kardashian. And just also for the record, I'm not a fan of Kim Kardashian after what her and Kanye did to Taylor Swift because I love Taylor Swift. Mm, I do love Taylor. (laughs) So I'm on team Taylor. Sorry. I'm also not sorry because Taylor has been problematic sometimes in her own way. Mm. 
Speaking of speaking of appropriation, didn't someone say that Taylor Swift tried to like appropriate uh, twerking? I haven't heard that in her "Shake It Off" music video. Wow! Oh yeah, it was the way that she styled herself during the "Shake It Off" music video. What did she do? I didn't watch it. I'll send you pictures. (laughs) Um, and then most recently, if we're discussing celebrity sightings here. Ariana Grande got um, got in hot water for um, for doing Asian inspired makeup. Interesting. So discussions that I usually have with my with my white family members uh, and the kind of questions that they'd ask is where where does it stop? What mm-hmm. like where is the line? Where is the line? Because. They were like, it's just makeup. And I was just like, Mm. this is interesting. This is very interesting. I think that's a specific example where it's so easily avoidable because all she has to do is say, "Uh, my makeup was inspired by this culture. (laughs) I think it was K-pop inspired. I mean, just say that. Give them the credit. (laughs) Crisis avoided. Perfect. Crisis avoided. Like... I think I've also don't quote me on this one either, but in terms of Asian spaces, I I think I've also seen some like people talking about specifically trying to make their eyes monolids, mm-hmm. like the illusion of a monolid. And as someone with a monolid, like that I have been mocked for having like eyes that look like this before. Mm-hmm. And if someone were to try to do that for likes, right. And they can just as easily like wipe the makeup off, but I'm stuck with the way my face looks. Mm-hmm. That would really piss me off. Right. And that's definitely something I think he discusses just how it's it's for likes. It, no, he definitely doesn't discuss it. I don't know where I heard that from, but it's for likes and you can walk away. It's not a part of your character. It's not like who you are. It's not something you could just walk away from. Oh, I think he talks about something else that's going to come to my mind soon. <laughs> Was that the part about blackface? It's, um, is it? It's possible. Just in terms of, oh, no, no, no. When he says that, it it's like, maybe this has nothing to do with that. <laughs> These thoughts are coming to me as I'm currently speaking, which is fantastic. He talks about how you, you wear the outfits, you wear the makeup, but it's all aesthetics. You don't actually stand behind the people and who are being oppressed for certain things. It's, Mm -hmm. it's so fake. Yeah. Like, um, my, the reason I brought up blackface was because there is a section in this chapter specifically about blackface. Blackface is wrong. People just putting that right there. Just don't, don't go near it. Just turn the other way. Same for yellow face. Like, yeah, I don't even like the word yellow face, but also just no, just it's a no, just consistently not, not what you want. Don't do it, people. Just don't do it. It's just always wrong. (laughs) Can we say this any clearer? The year is 2022. I know you love breakfast at Tiffany's. I have seen the Tiffany's on Fifth Avenue and I've wanted to eat a bagel out in front of it. Yeah, cool. I don't get the movie, but also Mickey Rooney's character. Don't do it, y'all. Just don't do it. 
Because he talks about it in the context of a costume, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just no. Like, I. That's. Oh, it just like blows my mind that people are still questioning this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Something that seems so straightforward. And we are telling you just so directly don't do it. <laughs> I hate it when people ask why. Mm. I hate it whenever I will get on a rant about like why yellow face is not great. Why I don't want to see someone just pulling their eyes to the side of their faces for a joke. Why I don't want to see like like that anything like that. And then someone just goes, oh, it's just a joke why well it's just a joke to you but like i said this is my face right can't do anything with it mm-hmm. yeah it's so inappropriate and i mean i think two things one i am thankful because now with the podcast and us like talking about these things i i have something to say because before i would just get mad and i'd be like all super like flustered and just like yelling <laughs> But not getting any point across because I'm so mad because you should just know it's wrong. Now I have words, you know, I have vocabulary. It's fantastic. But also there's just certain things that you're just going to have to look up for yourself. I don't want to have to tell you why black face or yellow face is wrong. And if you don't understand, I'm not the person to ask. Like it goes even further. It can go even further than that. It can go into like, like sports team mascots that was another thing that was mentioned sports teams mascots yes. um like old timey old timey cartoons mm-hmm. like it always goes to how do i put this not delicately <laughs> it always goes to entertaining the white person yes not going to be delicate Sorry. <laughs> I appreciate that you said, how is the least delicate? You know, like intentionally, how can I really hammer this? <laughs> I think that's what it takes. Though. I mean, we've tried to be nice, you know, but all this stuff is harmful. As we kind of mentioned last week, it's like it's harming people. And so me being nicely and helping you and being accommodating to you is actually like hurting me. Nothing's happening to you. <laughs> You're the one that's doing the emotional labor for someone just to be like, just to play the devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask this wildly inappropriate question and then not compensate you for your emotional labor. No one go- no one compensates anyone for emotional labor. I, I think that everyone should be compensated with universal basic income for emotional labor, specifically mm-hmm. like people of color. But that's just me. I think that that is a well thought out logical argument. Vote for Hannah in 2030, whatever. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I can't be president. I wasn't born here. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) We've gotten so off track. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, cultural appropriation. It's everywhere and it's so inappropriate. It's everywhere. It spans all walks of life. Mm -hmm. Like, 
literally anywhere that anyone can get their hands on something from another culture. And I also think that globalization did a lot of that, too. Yeah. Definitely globalization has both helped and hindered the concept of cultural appropriation, but I feel like it's very recent. And by recent, I mean our lifetime that people started actually calling it out. Yeah. Like, (laughs) it feels like this is a part of unlearning. And so it's so ingrained. I mean, you think about colonization and you think about like people's humanity being taken away from them by colonizers. Um, and so you were never, it's not like in the basis specifically like of our, our country to respect black, brown, indigenous. Um, how am I, <laughs> there's a word, but like those populations that are underserved, that's what I was trying to say. Mm. And so now, with people having autonomy over how they identify and their racial groups and their ethnicity groups and their religious groups. And now so people can say, actually, that's really inappropriate. And that's really hurtful that you do that. And so we're having to unlearn what was just the foundation of our country, the foundation of our culture, because there never was respect for those groups in the first place. Mm. I think one of the most insulting things is for someone to not only make almost a mockery, a character, a joke out of another person's culture and erase and completely erase the oppression that that joke represents. But the fact that people can make money off of it. Mm. (sighs) Yep. It's like just. You might as well, like, what even? You're already ignoring all of the pain, the oppression, literal deaths and genocide that has happened over, like, these identities, but you are making a mockery over it and you are making money off of it. Yeah. And then specifically in our culture, because you make money off of it, then the the end justifies the means. So all of that. But if you have no morals or if you live in a capitalist society, which lucky us, we do, (laughs) then it's all overlooked because they make money off of it. It's fine. We're all fine. Hmm. Just in case you're not clear, we are not fans of capitalism. (laughs) We're not fine. Oh, see, the last time I told my parents that I wasn't a fan of capitalism, they automatically just went the opposite direction and low key called me a communist, which is also a little racist. In its own <laughs> like, what are you trying to say, parent? It's like, we're fine. This is fine. Yes, it is. It is a mess. And so I'm, I'm again, very grateful for his definition, because I think that's a really good blueprint to work off. If you don't know the history behind it, just look into it. If you don't know where it comes from, look into it. It's better safe. You don't want to offend someone without you never want to offend someone, but you certainly don't want to do it unintentionally. And you don't want to make profit off of it either. Yeah. Like, seriously. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) so that's fun so cultural appropriation (laughs) 
from the basics of I'm going to offend everyone to I'm going to make profit off of centuries of oppression of other people. Mm-hmm. How evil are you on a scale of one to that? Yeah. <laughs> Can you think of any examples where profit was made off of cultural appropriation? Well, I already mentioned breakfast at uh, breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, the book specifically mentions the um, like back in the day, um, white actor named Thomas Daddy Rice ugh, oh, yeah. in the 1830s had a bright idea to create a character a character called Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't even think that needs much more explanation on how wrong that is. Right. But this is also pre-Civil War era, so... hmm Like... Yeah, I, I did not know that. I did not know that's where Jim Crow came from. A play of some white actor mocking Black people and their pain mm-hmm. caused by white people. But okay. And then it becomes Jim Crow, and we are still dealing with the consequences of that. It's fine. People think that Jim Crow is long gone, and I was just like, yeah, no, um, civil rights movement happened while my dad was in high school, but thanks, y'all. Um, like, one generation removed. Yeah. Cool. This great. <laughs> Did you ever hear um, the critique on the Disney movie Dumbo? No. Um, people, I'll have to look it up, but there were claims that the, there are four literal crows in that, in that, um, Mm. movie that are characters. And they said that those characters are based on really, um, offensive black stereotypes Mm. and the fact that they're also crows. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's like, what year did Dumbo come out? I want to say 1930. I can look it up. I love the internet. See, people, this is why, this is like, why it's so nice that we live in the year 2022, and yet we are still dealing with this. (laughs) 1941. 41. Okay, I was close. Yeah. I mean, circuses also have their own, like, very problematic history, too. hmm Yeah. You would think that it was all um, issues with um, animal rights, but no. P.T. Mm-hmm. Barnum, apparently, first, uh, first exhibit, P.T. Barnum being the guy that was known as the father of the circus, um... His first exhibit was actually, I think it was a slave Um, that he claimed was like over like 800 years old or something like that. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure like that was like one of his first exhibits. mm -hmm. Literally kept a human in a cage. Yeah. The Greatest Show is a cute movie, though. (laughs) Not, Not accurate. But not at all. <laughs> it's yeah, it's all a tangled up mess. Yeah. Just all of it. So much of it is. And like 
like I mentioned earlier, like questions that I've gotten from my white family members is where do I personally draw the line? Like, what am I personally offended at? Which I find a very hard thing to answer because I'm just like, yeah, because my my level of offense and understanding and empathy and compassion might be different from someone else's. Mm-hmm. And collectively, where do we stand with that? Yeah, that's a really hard. Yeah, that's a really difficult even position. I mean. I think that specifically goes back to how no one person can represent their whole race or their whole gender. What I'm offended by is very different from what some other Black woman is offended by, but that doesn't make either of them less true or valid. Yeah, so I won't ask you how you respond to that question. (laughs) I just kind of stare at them at this point because, like, apparently being the, um, the oldest child in my family that is um a transracial adoptee Mm -hmm. i'm the default i'm the guinea pig so Mm -hmm. it's not like they try to push the boundaries they literally like come with open open hearts and minds and questions um but sometimes i'm also just like i'm not feeling this right now yeah (sighs) i'm glad he i think that's something that emmanuel acho gets to too it's like they're not bad questions to ask but then it's also on us and we can say i just don't feel like answering that (laughs) neither like neither of them are bad they're both um with the best intentions and they're both what's best but they're both valid (laughs) you can totally ask questions and i can totally have the right to say i don't want to answer that it's true sometimes like i wish that we could have just these little faq cards that we can just pass out to people like my mom used to okay I was a very peculiar child I wanted um so at this one restaurant whenever I was little I wanted cheese and enchiladas but I didn't want them in a corn tortilla I wanted them in a flour tortilla because I didn't like corn tortillas wanted them in a flour tortilla I wanted grated cheese not queso I didn't want beans touching it and I wanted it all on a pink plate. (laughs) Had to be a pink plate. That is, I'm just curious how that even got started. (laughs) I don't even know. My mom had a laminated card because we would eat at this restaurant every week. Mm. (laughs) We just hand it to the waitress. I wish we could do that with racism. (laughs) And so that (laughs) would... That certainly would be handy. It's like, I don't even have the answer. Here you go. Yeah. Frequently asked questions. Black face, yellow face, any other face. No. No. (laughs) Just no. Just stop it right there. (laughs) All caps, bold. No. No ifs, ands, or buts. It's just bad. Yes. Like, it, it almost feels like a very all or nothing position that you have to be on. Hmm. Just like we all agree at this point, like slavery, bad. Just right. No justifying it. No, don't go there. Mm -hmm. Like. It took us like. However many years to get here and there are still school curriculums that don't teach that there are still um, there are still 
state laws being proposed, not passed, looking at you, Florida, that are trying to center white feelings whenever it comes to race education, critical race theory, actual history being taught in schools. Once again, Florida, come on. Um, Mm, I think this is a perfect segue into the next (laughs) chapter where I'm assuming a white reader goes into this whole thing about how every single I'm this person of color they encounter. I mean, we could read the question again, but it's like a paragraph question. <laughs> oh, I'm going to do it because I uh, I want both of us to be in the, all right, cracks, knuckles, let's go. Mm-hmm. Heads go spin. for it. Just, to, just so everybody's aware, it's a long question. Bear with us. <laughs> and I have a funny story, not a funny story, but also kind of a funny story depending on how you take it, but where a very similar question was asked to me one time. Wow. But these questions must be common enough for him to be answering these in a book. So I have unfortunately encountered many black people who seem hell bent on hanging the history of slavery and racism and inequality around every single white person's neck who are unwilling to give grace if we ask questions to try to understand how we can be better. They are angry, and I'm not saying it isn't justified. Anger is a form of grief, and it's allowed to a degree within the law. But if we, are gen- if we all genuinely want to move forward, this is an obvious problem. Question posed by Amy. Well, Amy. Well, Amy. Amy. Oh, my gosh. Just, like, the tone of the question, which is, like, in itself a paragraph, is so problematic to me. Did I read it well like a white person? (laughs) Did I sound like an Amy whenever I read it? I think so. <laughs> I think you did a solid job. Uh, oh my gosh. Like, where? Yeah. Where do you even begin? <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess, like, my question for you is okay, pretend I'm Amy. I just asked you this question. What's your initial reaction before we even delve into the chapter? What is your answer? Um, <laughs> I could also word it how it was posed to me one uh, one time. This was the summer before we started to, this is the summer before we started grad school. Someone literally asked me, why are black people still mad about slavery? It was like, over like hundreds of years ago like they need to get over it and i just think that they need to get over it yeah we were at a museum and if it wasn't for the fact that we were at a museum i would have started screaming (laughs) i think the silence that both of us had was just like Cause I, 
Wow. What did you say? Do you remember? Um, yeah, I kind of went off on that person. <laughs> I got so heated that I had to, I had to take a, take a lap. I had to take a lap and I was just like, yeah, I just was Mm-mm. like the amount of privilege that is just dripping from mm-hmm. a question posed like that like the amount of entitlement that i feel out of this question from amy saying that anger is a form of grief and it's allowed to a degree within the law yeah. oh my lord <laughs> the law within the law it is allowed to a degree like you at, at what point are you trying to tone police an entire race of people that much for something traumatic that has affected generations of black people but you could tell me that i'm overreacting And just the whole casualness of, oh, it happened hundreds of years ago. Get over it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just, I'm glad that he answered this question and I got to read his response because I would absolutely be livid, still am livid, but now I have a better response. I think um Acha he says please grant black people the right to the full gamut of emotions regarding their wounds I think it's just I mean I think that's the best response like you can't tell people how they should respond to something as traumatic as being the descendants of slaves you just can't do it you know people are so mad people are so mad you just have to deal with that you know I will say that um Whenever somebody like makes a joke about me, not racist, not racist jokes are not cool. But if somebody like makes a joke about like how I don't answer my phone immediately or something like that, I'm like, I deserve that. Right. So I feel like it would be fantastic if white people would get on board with that kind of vibe and be like, we deserve that. Just, just. <laughs> <laughs> We were talking about this yesterday about how, like, sometimes I get so angry that I want to go axe throwing and I have, like, so much pent up anger about it. Like, Mm -hmm. seeing questions like this just enrages me. Yeah. Like, also, like, this. mm. And I always feel like this may or may not come from come from white people but whenever they start whenever they start comparing trauma like racial trauma between different races Mm. like when someone told me one time that oh Asians don't experience racism like um because they weren't enslaved and I was like yeah they experienced other forms of racism but guess what it's all racism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've we've definitely discussed this and how there is no. Yeah, that's bad, but 
there's there's none of that. Racism is racism and it's all poison and it's all bad. There is there are no levels. Well, this is like the most extreme racism and this is the least amount of racism. And I mean, even that like is so problematic within, I would say, like people of uh, color community, you know, just understanding that if somebody is oppressed, we are all oppressed. Mm -hmm. That is it. (laughs) I think uh, I think like um, Manuel Acho does such a great job with saying yeah, people are angry. Let them be angry. Mm-hmm. I think as a culture, as America, as Americans, like we definitely err on the side of, okay, anger is inappropriate. So we're going to squish it down. Mm-hmm. But my own personal philosophy is like, if humans are able to feel anger, like if that is a range of that that is an emotion that we are given and created with by all means let's use it mm-hmm. as long as it doesn't hurt any other any other people like i can go and throw axes until i tire myself out yeah it only hurts the wooden target like <laughs> and like people because anger is also just anger can be dangerous whenever it's like directed at another being Mm. for sure like anger though is a valid emotion Mm -hmm. it's just whenever anger is not properly channeled it's whenever anger and grief is are not like yeah i think that's what amy was trying to say but she ended up saying it as oh you're allowed to have a degree of anger. Yeah. Ugh. And even within that, just like the understanding of, uh, there's like a societal understanding of what people can and cannot be angry about. That in itself is oppressive. Mm-hmm. I remember when they were talking about how on um, protesting um, and looting, when there were the Black Lives Matter protests, they were saying like, that was inappropriate. That's not how you... That's not how you protest against injustice. That in itself, saying that my form of protest is not appropriate is oppressive. And that's great coming from like, that is just great. Mm -hmm. By great, I mean, like, very sarcastically great of people who like most like most arguments, whenever I would hear someone saying, oh, the Black Lives Matter protests are not appropriate. You want to talk about inappropriate? I point to you January 6th, <laughs> 2021. <laughs> People. Yes. But I mean, I don't hear any backlash about people who, how do I want to say this? <laughs> there's just, even within like the insurrection, like there's an understanding of what to be angry about. I just feel like there's so much more empathy for those people who completely <laughs> did something who, that was actually really inappropriate and really dangerous versus people who are protesting because their lives matter. The way that I love how this chapter just kind of builds onto the concept onto the concept of implicit biases because Acho goes on to explain 
um, or to show an illustration of um, two instances of men getting arrested and the white guy beats the cop with his own like baton and like is able to be taken into custody very like passively later i guess mm-hmm. whereas um the other man was shot twice while running away in the mm-hmm. back yeah i think it also goes to extend to like um there was a school shooter and it was a white teenager, but he was taken into custody without problem. Oh. Whereas, whereas we have like literal children like Tamir Rice, who literally didn't do anything mm-hmm. and was already shot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. He does a really good job of like breaking down all of this. He just talks about how when the color of your skin already makes you perceived as dangerous. You're already like 50 million steps behind. Cause I mean, there's literally nothing less dangerous than for the cop than running away from a cop. The guy was running away from the cop was in no way in danger. And yet he's the one with shots in his back. When the man who literally beat a cop was taken into custody. No, with no shots in his back. Yeah. after inflicting damage i'm not saying like that's the way it should be but it's interesting that someone who literally did no damage ended up with like the more severe of the consequences when someone who actually did damage walked away with nothing like it just the whole the whole point of implicit bias and anti-bias training is to make sure that people recognize their biases (laughs) where like we have so much pushback against this whole like way of critically thinking and self-reflection of like okay um like just the the scenario that the scenario that um that Acho even puts at the beginning of uh, this chapter where it's like, okay, this is a white person, a white person walking down an alleyway and, and they see three black kids mm-hmm. like, and they're perceived as dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. And there's just so much work to be done there. If you like recognize your bias and you're like, oh, okay, wow, this is what I think, then you can act on that. But if you don't even think to uncover what it is that you unconsciously think about people, then there's nothing you would do because you have no idea. If racial bias is your default, Mm -hmm. like you have to literally rewire your brain. Yes. And it is very hard to do. On the other side of that, we have people um, like Amy Cooper, who I'm mentioning again because we already mentioned her earlier. But guess what? Acho mentioned her. He did. He did. When I when she, when I, we OK, first of all, we were talking about the same thing. I didn't realize we were we were talking about two separate instances. But also when I read that, I was like, oh, my gosh, we already talked about her. We already talked about Amy Cooper. And then there was Backyard Becky, too, mm-hmm. who was the uh, white woman that called the cops on like an eight year old selling water. Because mm-hmm. she didn't have a permit. 
Are we serious? Mm -mm. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I remember watching a video um, where a black woman went to uh, some white kids selling lemonade and she was just like, oh, you don't have your permit. Like, I need to see your permit. Just giving them a hard time. And the girls, they just got so flustered. And she was like, oh, I'm just kidding. Let me buy one. And it's just like, how ridiculous is it? Like, if it's ridiculous for white kids, it's ridiculous for every single race of kids. These are grown-ups. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These are adults. And I'm like, I make stupid choices. Like, I have credit card debt. I'm not <laughs> great at thinking things through as a 20-something-year-old. But at the same time, these are people who have years on me. And they're calling mm-hmm. cops on eight-year-olds. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Mm-mm. And then they have the audacity to say that our anger is not justified. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, that's all on them. There's nothing we can do about that, which is the scary part, because they're not going to do the work. <laughs> Backyard Becky, I bet, has no idea why what she did was inappropriate. No. Backyard Becky, at least Amy Cooper, like, oh gosh you know like i'm gonna send you all the links later because some i can't remember which news outlet it was but they went in on amy cooper and it was hilarious um i feel like we need more of that though we just need more accountability it's like because if people aren't gonna see it then i think at least the under the societal understanding this is not okay is major And, like, these are just instances that we're talking about that got caught on camera. Right. The kind of microaggressions and horrible biases and the times that cops are called on, like, really, like, inappropriate situations. Mm -hmm. Like, come on. Yeah. We know there's more out there. These are just the few that we can name because they're seared into our minds. Mm -hmm. And they're seared into our minds. And you and me, we're actively talking about race, like, every week, whereas, like, Backyard Becky over here is probably Mm -hmm. going, like, huh, I wonder if I'm on a podcast right now. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe it's those, like, tears where it's like, oh, everybody hates me, but, like, completely oblivious to why. (laughs) Because I, and I think that's a little other scary thing, like, People who don't want to talk about race and don't want to talk about racism, they're not going to listen to podcasts. They're not going to read books. They're not going to listen to lectures. They're just going to stay in their racist circles. And that's so concerning because, like, they're the ones who need to be hearing all of this. Unfortunately, I think that, like, I think that time is a factor here. Whereas, like, things will get better as we progress, but I'm also a very impatient human being, and I want people to be aware now. Mm -hmm. It feels like it's been long enough to where that's, like, where it makes sense. You know, we're 2022. I mean, so much has happened that you would hope that with that progress comes understanding your bias and treating all humans with dignity and just understanding what subconsciously you think. But unfortunately that's not the case. 
It isn't like um, members of my family. See what I did there this time? I was actually you did a good yeah. job. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> members of my family ask me for patience all mm-hmm. the time because, well, first of all, I do kind of have an explosive personality. So that's on me. But <laughs> like they ask me for patience and for grace when I'm sitting here thinking, Y'all have had like 20 some odd years to like think about this kind of stuff. And you're just now thinking about it because it impacts you specifically. Mm. Mm. (sighs) Yeah, that's a good point. I think that there's certainly got to be a place for like white people. And there are places for white people checking white people and really helping each other out, understanding. So then that way they don't have to come to us with every single question. Because it is exhausting and it is not the job that I signed up for. I just want to live my life. So, you know, those support groups. And I I don't know if this is understood. Like, I don't want to I don't want every time I talk to you, not you, because, you know, this podcast. But in general, every time I talk to somebody for us to like somehow get to race and racism, like I appreciate that you understand. I appreciate that you're trying. But like, you don't have to share that with me all the time. Exactly. I, we do need these. And they're so important these spaces where like white people can get together and talk about what they don't understand and they can complain and do stuff with themselves. Don't don't bring that here. (laughs) Well, was it was it a professor or someone that was just like white people come get your people? Yes. That told (laughs) us that. Was it? Oh, it was. Um, was it Will? I think so. Yeah, it was Will. It was him. Yes. And he's a perfect example. I wish you guys all knew Will. He is fantastic. He's a perfect example of white people helping white people understand and like doing that work internally. So we don't have to always be a resource. Mm -hmm. There was also a, um, I forgot where I saw it, but I think there's like a Facebook group or some sort of coalition of white people that if you tag them, they will automatically come get the racist. (laughs) It's the funniest thing, but also just amazing. We're mm-hmm. like, this podcast is not here to crap on white people. No. No. White <laughs> people can do some amazing things whenever whenever they put their minds to it. <laughs> Unfortunately, historically speaking, they've put their minds to not great things. Right. It's. <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah. All, all to all of that, yes. <laughs> as hard as it may to, as hard as it may be, this is not a we hate white people space. <laughs> that's not the intention. That's not the energy. That's not the vibe. <laughs> we welcome that whole discord, and I like think I like to think that whenever adoptive parents of of um transracial adoptees especially Mm -hmm. whenever they say i can't be racist my kid is x y and z i would like to flip that and say i can't hate white people my parents are white (laughs) (laughs) i think that's a good point to add of you can absolutely be racist if you have a black or brown child (laughs) like I don't know who told you that, but that is not true. I don't know where they got that concept, but <laughs> fine. 
it's fine. The whole proximity is not osmosis. Like you don't become anti-racist by proximity. Mm-hmm. You have to do the internalized work yourself. Yes. Yes. Right there. That is, I think that's everything we've been trying to say. Yeah. You ready for next chapter? I think I read the question and it made me roll my eyes. Oh yeah. <laughs> I feel like I feel like every time I read one of these questions, I'm just gonna keep getting angry, which <laughs> is justified. All right. Question number one for next week. Why do I have to bleep myself when I'm singing in my car to a black authored song? Why can't I quote the lyrics or even sing the music that black artists themselves sell in the public domain? Yep, that's the one I roll my eyes to. I think we both know where that is going. I think we both know where that is going, and I have some fun stories about that. Um, and then we get to part two uh, that says us and them. And the question is, what systems are racist that need to be changed now? I have heard arguments about things related to housing and schools not being as well funded, which both seem to be more economic issues than race issues. How I can see how in the past, the now grandparent generation may have suffered from racism under redlining and other practices that are now illegal. I also see how that can have lingering effects. However, I see those racist issues as having been dealt with. Racism doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) That's what I heard. If I kick you in the shin, it's still going to hurt five minutes later. I look forward to discussing kind of. I don't know. I don't like how I have these questions are starting, but look forward to discussing. (laughs) It's going to be great. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining me as always. Yes. Thank you for having me. All righty. Bye.